the TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Brian McLean and Steve Hook at State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Well, we've made it to hour two of State of the Nation on TNT Radio with me, Steve Hook, and my man, Brian Hesher McLean. He's in Texas. I'm in New Jersey, but we're here together every day from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or wherever you are. Do the math. Uh, it's good. To, it's good to have you back with us for a big hour, two. And Hesh, we've got a big one today. Big hour, two. Looking forward to this kind of a continuation of hour one uh, as, as far as some of the topics, uh, the in, in the uh, the censorship industrial complex and whatnot. But before we dive into that, I wanted to get your take on uh, a couple of things that are kind of bubbling up in the news. Hunter Biden apparently has agreed uh, to uh, to testify before the House Oversight Committee. But no shocker here. They're trying to kind of write their own rules. Uh, as you know, Hunter is being representative by, uh, represented by Abby Lowell. Abby Lowell, by all accounts, is an incredibly good lawyer inside D.C. He's represented uh, represented both Republicans and Democrats in the past, and he does have a very good track record. But Abby Lowell saying, oh, yeah, we'll we'll allow Hunter to testify, but only in a public forum, only in a public forum. We don't want it. We see that you guys are BSing people and, and taking things out of context and trying to spin it. So we want this to be open. Now, that sounds good on its face. Comer, of course, came back and said, no, no, no. We're going to do this the way we always do this. We want a deposition, closed-door deposition. Then if you want a chance uh, to do a public testimony, we'd be more than uh, more than happy to do that at a later date. But, Hesh, you know as well as I do that there's a reason that Abby Lowell is saying we want this in public. And I suspect that reason is because he knows that we know that a lot of the stuff that Comer has cannot be aired in public, bank accounts and the like. What do you think about all of this? Yeah, absolutely. This is a, this is a typical lawfare move that you'll see <clears throat> from Hunter Biden, his team, uh, the larger you know Biden administration, DOJ, FBI, uh, all of which, of course, and the. Uh, you know, any evidence that they have is very, very personal and probably considered, you know, probably classified, probably at a top secret level by the feds, by the DOJ. And that would include the emails, the text messages, the recordings, the videos, the contents of his laptop uh, and bank records, you know, uh, and obviously those are the type of things that would be brought into discovery behind closed doors. And uh, yeah, this is clearly, uh, I mean, this is pretty obvious what this is. They're, they're looking for that plausible deniability to say, well, look, we sent him to the, we, he answered the subpoena. He went and he answered all the public facing questions that could possibly be answered. I'm sure that would be a fun circus to watch. It's probably what we're going to get in the end. Uh, but nothing would come of it because like you, uh, like you said, Steve, those pieces of evidence would not be there. And by the way, some of those pieces of evidence are exculpatory for others uh you know that is being suppressed so you know we could branch off into a number of topics from here but yeah this is uh pretty pathetic yeah. in my estimation it, it 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 is and abby lowell knows better but he also knows that that they've got the goods on hunter 
and we we're talking about on hunter we know what we're talking about here this and comer said it over a year ago this is an investigation into president joe biden hunter is just a conduit uh to get to joe biden and you hear the media and everybody kind of raising hell about it oh they're just trying to it's a sham impeachment which is funny coming from them uh given what we've experienced the last several years but one of hunter biden's friends was rep- told politico that some democrat lawmakers some democratic lawmakers on capitol hill were quote betting on the political expediency of sacrificing hunter so it looks as if Abby Lowell may only want to do a a, a public uh, hearing so he can avoid a lot of the stuff that we know is there. But some Democrats are already, you know, given the bumbling, stumbling, mumbling father uh, and, and his uh, poll numbers, which are just in the absolute toilet, um, they're saying maybe we can uh, throw Hunter under the bus. Uh, I suspect that uh, some people would love to see that happen, but I don't know that uh, Joe Biden, cognitively there or not, is going to be uh, going to be down for that. Well, you know, uh, even if they're not, Hunter makes a perfectly good sort of scapegoat uh, for the uh, the party, if you will, for the DNC, because, I mean, obviously he's never going to be. Oh, boy, I hope I don't have to eat these words someday. But he's never going to be a congressperson, a senator, a president, you know, anything other than a business grifter and, let's hope, former drug addict. Uh, But, you know, judging by what was found in the White House recently, that is in question now also, Steve. (laughs) You're not kidding. You know, they know who did. Come on, the Coke was hunters. Come on, just fess up. Good God. <laughs> hey, by the way, for been, all the le- Jean Pierre, you never know. Yeah, <laughs> Green Jean Pierre. Um, who knows? But it certainly uh it, it wasn't Joe's, I'd I'd wager, but uh somebody he knows closely, I would bet. Hey, for the latest community events, rallies, marches, festivals, and fundraisers happening near you, why don't you visit the What's on Events calendar at the TNT radio website at tntradio.live. And that way you can stay in touch with everything all the time on TNT Radio. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, it's time to bring Ruckus back into the mix here. And, oh, here come the problems with the AI again. Sports Illustrated has been accused of publishing articles by fake AI-generated writers (laughs) after the media outlet Futurism discovered that the supposed author's profile images were uh, were available for sale on a website that sells AI-generated profiles and photographs. So if I get this right, Ruckus, there was a little photograph next to an article, uh, and that article was published by Sports Illustrated, and then these people at Futurist uh, went out and found the same photos probably just, you know, stock photos. Uh, (laughs) They probably didn't even know they wrote these articles either. What's the story here, man? It wasn't just one photo, one author, one article. This is multiple incidences, allegedly. But according to Sports Illustrated, which um, is um, published by uh, the Arena Group, just so you're clear, uh, because I'll be speaking about their parent company, in this report, but they're called Arena. But yes, Sports Illustrated is dismissing this report that alleges the outlet 
uh, was using artificial intelligence to generate content, an accusation that has triggered concerns about basic journalistic standards. Uh, in a post on X, a spokesperson for the Arena Group, uh, this was yesterday, uh, said, quote, today an article was published alleging that Sports Illustrated published AI-generated articles. According to our initial investigation, this is not accurate. The articles in question were product reviews and were licensed content from an external third-party company, Advon Commerce. Advon has assured us that all of the articles in question were written and edited by humans. According to Advon, their writers, editors, and researchers create and curate content and follow a policy that involves using both counter-plagiarism and counter-AI software on all content, end quote. Okay, the article that triggered the controversy is a report um, published that same day, November 27th, by media outlet Futurism, which suggested... It did more than suggest that AI was being used to write Sports Illustrated content online. The report alleged that author biographies were fake with false names and descriptions. The profile photo of an author was found listed for sale on a website selling AI headshots. After Futurism contacted Arena for clarifications, all alleged AI-generated authors disappeared from the Sports Illustrated website. Hmm. Weird. In its ex post, the arena spokesperson said, quote, we have learned that Advon had writers use a pen or pseudonym in certain articles to protect author privacy actions. We strongly condemn and we are removing the content while our internal investigation continues and have since ended the partnership, end quote. Somebody got caught. The Sports Illustrated Union, the editorial staff of the outlet, said they were, quote unquote, hor horrified by the Futurism report about AI-generated content being published under the Sports Illustrated brand with, quote, fabricated bylines and wider writer profiles. The union said, quote, if true, these practices violate everything we believe in about journalism. We deplore being associated with something so disrespectful to our readers. We demand answers and transparency from Arena Group Management about what exactly has been published under the Sports Illustrated name. We demand the company commit to adhering to basic journalistic standards, including not publishing computer-written stories by fake people. And quote. The incident triggered a massive backlash against Sports Illustrated Online. Uh, quote, Absolutely disgraceful, end quote. That was Sam, a contributor to WWE news outlet fansighted.com in a post on November 28th. Um, quote, remember when Sports Illustrated was the gold standard? Most writers already get paid crap. No one wants to pay for content behind a paywall. And then you have AI bull crap like this to cheapen the profession even more. SI isn't the only one doing it. This is scary, sad, and most importantly, very, very, very bad. This is, uh, I'm quoting media personality Matt Pauly in a post, quote, Sports Illustrated was the mountaintop of sports journalism for so many years. And now not only are they using AI to create content, there is a level of deceit that is arguably immoral, end quote. Well, I would suggest that this is just a tiny microcosm example of a much larger problem we have to deal with when it comes to the mainstream media reporting what they try to pass on to us as the news. Um, talking more than just sports here, but what do you guys think about this story here? 
<laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, deceit that is immoral. Uh, basic journalistic standards. Uh, I, I wrote that one down while you were speaking there, Ruckus. Basic journalistic standards. Rest <laughs> in peace. I mean, those have been dead for at least three years. Many would argue decades now in sort of a snowball effect. So, yeah, I, I really doubt that the board members were horrified by anything but the report. I like how that was in there. Horrified by the report. Not horrified by the lack of basic journalistic standards or deceit that is arguably immoral and they've as you said ruckus they've been engaging in this for a long time and not just sports illustrated the larger um ownership cabal of the mass media cartel of which si is simply a small factor yeah i you know i i it's um first of all i i i had to giggle when you said somebody from a wwe fan site so in other words a fake sport uh, a fan of a fake sport, uh, entertainment sport, if you will, uh, is upset that, that that the person that's writing about his fake sport of choice is fake. Um, <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, kind of ironic in a way. I wonder how long it's going to be before the leftists decide that uh, artificial intelligence deserves civil rights. And uh, are we going to get an AI um you know, like now there's, I, I notice, I, you know, I, I've got Xfinity or Comcast here and I didn't know this, but thanks to Xfinity, I know that it's transgender awareness month. So now we all know, I wonder how long it's going to be before we get a artificial intelligence, uh, awareness month. Um, because at the rate we're going, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're treading very close to idiocracy. That movie that seemed so far-fetched. Uh, a decade ago is becoming true uh, with each and every passing day. And this, uh, and I would, I'm with you, Hesher. They're not, they're not horrified about the fact that the, that this third party did it. They're horrified that they got caught. Uh, It's pretty, it's pretty funny, but uh, there you go. It's a great question, Steve. Uh, When do the AI and um, synthetic rights start to become a thing? And, you know, so many of the things that are normal talking points today are things that science fiction writers and directors have been warning us about for years. So we're actually living in sort of the euboric phase of Minority Report, of Orwell's 1984. And if yep. we just look adjacently, just slightly, and and look at the new Star Wars uh, movies, and maybe more importantly, um, uh, the Steven Spielberg directed movie AI, uh, and many others, I could go through a list, but I don't have time, uh, do address this topic. They do pull on uh, the viewer or reader's emotional heartstrings to get them attached to artificial intelligence, robotics, cybernetics, things like this. Um, and it's probably just a matter of time, Steve, and just imagine the way that they can take, we've seen the way they take victim classes and then write policy and legislation around it to actually oppress other classes and to steal power. So yeah, I fully expect that to be part of the globalist transhumanist, uh, paradigm. I would just say, I would just say tears in the rain, tears in the rain. There you go. Uh, for those of you who get that reference, uh, Ruckus, I'm sure you do. Uh, but yeah, very Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Yeah, absolutely. Tears in the rain. 
Ruckus, thank you very much, brother. Very interesting story. As always, we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow, my friend. You bet. I I, I will say real quick, uh, it, it brings a whole new meaning to the word fake news now, doesn't it, gentlemen? Thanks a lot. Yes, it, you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Ruckus, so much. You're listening to State of the Nation on TNT Radio. And listen, stick around because coming up, we've got a wonderful guest. As Hour 2 continues, we will welcome Janine Eunice to the program coming up next on TNT Radio. Pervoy Morich on TNT Radio. From June 2012, the BBC, Tony Blair, ID cards needed to tackle illegal migrants. Uh, of course, that was 2012. Those ID cards today are is, is digital ID. And uh, Majid Nawaz, among others, he, he says, globalist surrogates pretending to be right, populist right-wing influencers against Muslims and immigration are leading you into a trap. It was these very same globalists who opened our borders as part of their plan after invading multiple countries in your name. And of course, it's the same false flag form they're creating the problem intentionally because they have a solution that they want for us. So, you know, they got the solution, which is, you know, dystopia. Uh, and then they figure out, okay, what problems can we create to, to get where we want to go? So we want this algorithm ghetto. How do we get it? Flood in illegal migrants, get rid of law and order. And the solution is going to be the algorithm ghetto. And we're already seeing signs of that. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. You are about to, about to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country is all about. TNT Radio. All right. Janine Yunus is a litigation counsel for the new Civil Liberties Alliance, the NCLA. And she's joined some pretty big lawsuits against big government regarding censorship of medical opinions, facts, and even medical findings. She's taken on the likes of Dr. Fauci, the CDC, and other officials, including Alejandro Mayorkas, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, even former press secretary jen saki and uh she joins us today janine hello welcome to state of the nation thank you so much for joining us today it's good to see you hi thank you so much for having me well we're thrilled to have you because what's going on we were speaking earlier to a friend that i know that you're uh you're mutual friends with dr naomi wolf she joined us in the first hour uh this whole censorship industrial complex is really uh well, as we said tonight, as I said to Naomi Wolf, I said, if you would have mentioned this to me five or six years ago, I would have advised you to loosen the tinfoil hat. Uh, but now it's becoming but now it's becoming so abundantly clear that this is happening. Um, and I know that you have joined some states attorneys generals who have decided to file suit against some of these folks. Um, but what bothers me so much about it, beyond the obvious is First Amendment uh, violation is that it is sowing seeds of absolute distrust and cynicism inside the public regarding uh, medical procedures. And it's not because of what you're doing. It's because of what they're doing. Why don't you uh, kind of enlighten us on, on, on the latest what's going on with this? 
well, what's going on with the lawsuit or what's going on in general with what we found out about the censorship or both? Well, you, you can you can nutshell it. If you can nutshell all of that, that'd be wonderful. So, I mean, what we've learned over the course of about the past two years since I've been working on this issue um, through actually a couple of lawsuits is that the federal government, especially the Biden administration, has been extremely involved in censorship on social media. So the administration, especially the White House, but also various agencies were telling um, or are, I should say, are this hasn't stopped um social media companies who and what to censor what kinds of misinformation this was especially prevalent during covid but it also goes into other topics like the 2020 election uh the hunter biden laptop story we even learned the other day that uh the biden administration has been telling social media companies to censor people who say that inflation has been a problem for them um because the you know <laughs> that conflicts with the biden administration's uh views on that, the matter or their political um, you know, motivations. Uh, so this is a shocking First Amendment violation. And I think it's fair to say, and one uh, the, the district court judge in Louisiana who heard this case said he considered it arguably the most massive attack against the First Amendment in the United States history. And I don't think that that was an exaggeration. Well, I don't know if you saw Janine, but um, I was uh, I was as I was getting ready for you to come on today, I was obviously studying uh, what you've been up to, and I followed a couple of links over to Twitter and whatnot. And then lo and behold, Michael Schellenberger comes out today. Have you seen what he is? Him and Matt Taibbi have been working uh, on this same subject, not so much COVID related, but basically all of it. And I'll just read you a little snippet of it. Uh, the CTIL, which... Uh, is the Cyber Threat Intelligence League um, is is saying that there's a whistleblowers are coming out with troves of new documents available to public and racket, which are websites here showing the birth of the censorship industrial complex in reaction to Brexit. So we're going back and the Trump election in 2016. So this goes way back. But what Schellenberger says is essentially this is so much bigger than people are aware of. And him and Matt Taibbi are saying what they have now dwarfs the Twitter Twitter gate. It dwarfs Facebook files. It's massive. And as you touch on, it's not just COVID. It's not just a Hunter laptop. It's damn near everything, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I actually was in the middle of reading that article. <laughs> And to stop to come on this interview. So I haven't fully, uh, fully digested it. But it's, I mean, from what I've seen, it's simply a shocking scale. And I would say that the United States government and uh, other governments have really been dictating what people are exposed to around the globe. Um, of course, our lawsuit is limited to the United States, uh, because that's what we do. But um, this is much more massive, as you say. Yeah, it's it's happened worldwide pretty much. I mean, we we've seen so much censorship and and this goes pretty far back. I mean, I think back to uh 2017 and that was when I really started to see the first wave of I think I had seen some shadow banning and visibility filtering before that, but then in 2017 uh, the corporate aspect came in, the big tech aspect came in really heavy-handed. And they started deplatforming people, demonetizing people. That was sort of the adpocalypse 
uh, moment in time. And a lot of people lost all their SEO, their search hits, their and a lot of abilities. And then you look back in it, and there was this, um, the GEC, the Global Engagement Center, was set up uh, in the 2017 National Defense Authorization Act. And uh, we see that now at places like Meta, uh, there's over 160 individuals from the U.S. intelligence community that are, are or have been working there since 2018. Um, I mean, this must be a big thing to unwrap for you and your colleagues on a legal uh, scale. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. There's this revolving door between the government and the tech company employees. So, uh, you know, you often have people going from their government jobs um, it, right into the tech companies. And I think that creates a lot of conflicts of interest and uh, other issues. And then another thing we're seeing is that sort of sort of we're calling it censorship laundering, where they're the creation of these third party groups you may have heard of, like the uh, Election Integrity Partnership, the Virality Project. Um, and the government knows that it can't censor directly. So it sets up these groups in order to communicate with the tech companies. And, um, you know, they're being, <laughs> the groups are funded by the government. They often have people who worked in government very recently in them. Um, they're obviously communicating messages, relaying messages between the government and the tech companies. So, uh, you know what this is sort what the government is doing is outsourcing viewpoint based censorship which is absolutely prohibited under the first amendment and they thought they wouldn't get found out and they got away with it for quite some time that's why we're only just finding out about it and, and you know what, what and i kind of touched on this when i when i brought you on janine what really uh scares me about this is well i'll give you an example uh november 9th i'm reading from uh aol news i don't know who the original publisher was here but at any rate it, it goes on to say that parents are opting out of childhood vaccines routine childhood vaccines at an all-time high says the cdc so in other words a lot we know that less than four percent of the population are deciding to uh, to boost up again getting their eighth ninth tenth booster or whatever and for their kids even less so that number is even smaller but now parents because of how badly they have screwed this up and let's just call it what it is they screwed it up their messaging was horrible they got caught in the lie now parents are saying you know what maybe johnny doesn't need rubella shots maybe maybe i don't need to give little cindy her uh, chicken pox uh, uh, shot or whatever. And, and, and that poses a real threat to public health. And it's all because of their own doing. I mean, and this goes back to so many, I mean, I could even bring up global warming. You know, you get the science you're willing to pay for and the government's willing, they got pretty deep pockets. So doesn't that kind of scare you a little bit? Yeah, and actually, two of our clients in the case you mentioned, um, Missouri versus Biden, actually in the Supreme Court, it's called Murthy versus Missouri, uh, are doctors Bhattacharya and Kuldorf, who are epidemiologists at Harvard and Stanford, and they had been opposed to many of the COVID restrictions. Uh, and while they were not against the COVID vaccine, they um, you know, they didn't believe everyone needed to get it, and they said stuff on social media to that effect. Uh, you know, maybe children don't need it. Maybe um, people who just had COVID don't need it. It's good for the elderly, et cetera. They were censored for that kind of speech. And they were saying at the time that the government's heavy handed approach, approach, you know, insisting that everybody get this shot, mandating it, trying to silence people who had any dissent, including themselves, would lead to a depletion of trust in public health, which is what's happened. And it's understandable if you think, you know, well, like, 
The government clearly lied about this vaccine. I mean, they said if you got the shot, you weren't going to get COVID. And we know now that's not true. Uh, what what else are they lying about? I think that's caused a lot of people to ha- have a lot of distrust in public health. And very, I mean, I think the CDC has basically lost the public's trust. So now we don't have um, agencies or institutions that the public trusts, and that's a major problem for public health. Yeah, it really is. Janine, hold the line. We have an inbound headline to take here. We'll pick up right where we left off on the other side. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Good news, people. Now, TNT Radio News. Here Here is your headline. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Israel says the International Red Cross has taken custody of 12 hostages released by Hamas on Tuesday. Israeli Defense Forces say 10 of the hostages are Israeli citizens and two more are foreigners. It did not clarify the nationality of the non-Israelis. All 41 construction workers who were trapped in a collapsed mountain tunnel in northern India for more than two weeks were pulled out on Tuesday, bringing an end to a drawn-out rescue mission that had grabbed the country's attention for days. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Now, Janine, how important is this case? First Amendment right now is such a big thing, and I feel like the mass media wants us focused on things like I don't know, abortion, race, uh, conflicts across the oceans. Uh, but right here, we have seen exactly how bad this has gotten. As Steve pointed out before the headline there, uh, trust, and, and you, you filled in also, that there's no trust in the CDC left except for those dyed-in-the-wool sort of you know uh, believers in the new pandemic industrial complex. So how important is the litigation that you and your colleagues are doing at New Civil Liberties Alliance right now? Well, I don't think that the importance of this case can really be understated, to be honest. Uh, it's it's going to be the first. So the Supreme Court is going to be hearing it sometime in the next couple of months. Um, the And they are going to sort of be deciding the line um, in terms of what the government can and can't do. Uh, when it comes to social media companies. So if the government, sorry, if the court finds that the government can basically coerce these companies, which is what they were doing, you know, they were telling the companies, if you don't censor this kind of misinformation, uh, there are going to be various repercussions, many of of which would just end the social media companies, like ending section 230, um, which which, uh, immunizes them from liability for what people post on their platforms. So, uh, if the court says the government can coerce the companies or work with them or continue to use these third parties, I think we're looking at a world in which the First Amendment for, you know, in, in terms of reality is kind of dead. There really isn't free speech. It's what the government, the truth is what the government says it is. And that's uh, a major problem, especially when we've seen that the government got things so wrong <laughs> over the last few years. Well, I would think that, I would think that, uh, Janine, that just SCOTUS even taking up this case has got to be a good sign. I mean, uh, because they've, I, 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 w- do you credit that because state's attorneys generals got involved with this? Uh, because SCOTUS is, has kind of tried to, it's it's walking on eggshells with this case, because like you said, uh, you know, th- when they start telling the government what they can and can't do, uh, it could even bounce back on them. We saw what happened with the leak about, uh, you know, the row leak and all that 
but them taking it up has got to be somewhat encouraging, no? Yeah, I think they, you know, one reason you took it up, of course, it does carry some weight if it's uh, brought by attorneys general. Um, the judge in the district court, that's the lowest level of the court, gave us a, uh, quite a bit of discovery at the early stages of the case. So we found a lot that supported our arguments. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because I had actually brought an earlier case before Missouri. That's how I got involved in this one that was that raised similar allegations. But it was just based on public officials, uh, public statements. So people that you mentioned earlier, like the president, uh, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, Jen Psaki, et cetera. Um, we didn't have their emails, obviously, because how would we get them? <laughs> so but we said, well, these people are going around saying that they're coercing the tech, tech companies into censoring speech. We should be able to see what's going on behind the scenes. And the judge said, no, that's not enough. Um, you're just speculating and threw the lawsuit out. So it was because we were able to get this discovery um, in this case, I think it made such a strong case for First Amendment issues. I, I believe that's one reason the court's taking it up. They're also clearly looking that they've taken a number of other cases this term that have to do with social media, um, as well as uh, government coercion um, in the First Amendment context. So I think they're really this is becoming an issue that's coming to the uh, sort of coming to the fore. And I think they want to draw some lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it sounds um, like it to me. Yeah, I have sort of a question that's maybe a bit outside of the realms of of the litigation that you're involved with, but I think it's important and it is related. Um, this clearly was happening. Uh, I mean, we look at the Twitter files, we look at all the reports from the journalists that have analyzed them, we look at the information ourselves, some of the numbers of uh, former federal agents, uh, you know, and employees involved in some of these social media companies. But then if we extrapolate that out a little bit and we look at, say, um, the uh, the digital lab, uh, digital forensic lab that the Atlantic Council has, um, and there's all these um, NGOs sort of swirling around internationally, and then the, the, the World Health Organization uh, proposing this pandemic treaty, I think that's sort of the colloquial term, um, but if that thing passes, it looks like it would supersede any sovereign nation's uh, ability to decide how they do their own pandemic responses and such. And obviously, that would come with you know a wider set of censorship, perhaps. What? How do? How does? How do you see that? Like, could these sort of things, this WHO pandemic, could that supersede a win by you guys uh, with SCOTUS in some way? Are you concerned about that? You know, that's not something I've given a ton of thought to since I, you know, deal with the United States law. Uh, it, I would hope that the government wouldn't be able to adopt something like that. I mean, they shouldn't be able to um, do anything that conflicts with U.S. law. So if the Supreme Court says that working with social media companies, coercing them, et cetera, violates the First Amendment, I don't think that would change um, because of you know, any kind of pandemic treaty. And I'm not sure what kind of legal weight that would have. Uh, international law is kind of, it's a, it's another whole field and frankly isn't known for, it doesn't have an enforcement mechanism tech. Uh, it, as far as I understand, doesn't have much of an enforcement well, mechanism, but I'm not an ex expert in that area. So. <laughs> but, but, but it seems to me that SCOTUS, given, given where they are, given the lane that they travel in, international law has no place there anyway they could say no that's unconstitutional and uh, it doesn't 
it doesn't play. You can't you can't enforce this because it it uh, it doesn't abide by the U.S. Constitution. So, I mean, I would think, but then again, I'm not a lawyer. You are. Let me ask you this real quick before we have to before we have to go, Janine. Is uh, the NCLA going to be reaching out to uh, Schellenberger and perhaps Matt Taibbi to get some of this information before this litigation comes before SCOTUS? Because it looks like they've got a treasure trove. Sure. Yeah, I I speak to them um, a bit. So we're we're in touch. (laughs) We're all doing the same thing. Good. All right. Fighting the good fight. Excellent. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. And that's why we wanted to have you on today. Uh, Where's the best place for people to follow you as you go through this process? Um, Well, I'm on Twitter. Uh, My handle is um, at J-E-N-I-N-Y-O-U-N-E-S-E-S-Q, like Esquire. Um, My name is Janine Yunus, uh, Y-O-U-N-E-S. My first name is spelled J-E-N-I-N. So you can usually find, uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to find me. All right. Excellent. Well, we want to thank you so much for this work that you're doing and for bringing it to State of the Nation and sharing it with us. And uh, best of luck in the process. Thank you again for your time and everything you're doing. Uh, Janine Eunice, uh, we'll have you back on again real soon, we hope. Thank you. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The biggest weather news is what is about to happen in Europe. I saw another one of those pictures of Greta Thunberg protesting today. I guess today is like week 300 or something of the climate strike where kids are allowed to be truant and, uh, you know, to protest climate. But she was all bundled up and I was like, well, wait a minute, looks awfully cold over there. And uh, were there fossil fuels used in the making of those clothes that you have on? But I want to get serious about this. The fact that we are getting such a cold blast that is coming in and this was telegraphed with those big storms and the reason you see what's going on in the weather today is because all the weathermen start screaming and yelling about climate change instead of understanding the same thing happened in 2009 and they went into the deep freeze over there but it's a serious situation you know why well first of all the implications of that is that the united states is going to get very cold now it's cold right now but i'm talking about what could be really cold weather severe cold in the month of january because there's probably going to be a lot of snow in the united states during the month of december especially after the 20th so what we saw in 2009 2010 was europe got it in 2009 in december and then the U.S. had their famous snowmageddon, and that occurred later in January and February. It'd be a little bit earlier this year, probably, looking at the overall pattern. But think about this. You're going to get that grid in Europe tested now, and especially Germany. Germany looks like ground zero for the worst weather. With most snow, it's going to be a little bit colder relative to averages up where Greta lives. But Germany is going to be in bad shape here in the next 10 to 20 days. But again, then you have to worry about the rest of the winter. You see what I'm saying? So we're going to have some things push come to shove, so to speak, coming up here over the next couple of weeks. And in fact, the next couple of months, because unlike last winter, I don't think this is backing off this year. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. When I had my heart event close to four years ago, I was at the gym, thought I deserve a coffee, and thought I'll top up with fuel, ordered a coffee. But while I was pumping fuel, I started to get chest pains. Then it got worse and worse and worse. So then I was leaning on the counter thinking, yeah, something's not quite right. So then I went to wait for the coffee 
and that's when it really, really hit. And Joy just, you know, mouthed, do you need an ambulance? And I remember nodding. I wasn't even thinking about a heart attack. I just thought, something is seriously wrong with me here. So when the cardiologist came to see me, she informed me that I'd had what they call a widowmaker heart attack. Bit of a shock when someone says, you know, you nearly died. <laughs> Everybody should be aware of all the symptoms of a heart attack that women can have that aren't typical of the shoulder pain, the right arm pain. I go to the gym, I do yoga, Pilates, I swim, I go on bike rides, and yet I still had a heart attack. You just don't know it could be you. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The pandemic industrial complex continues to march on with their propaganda, and this week, actually starting a couple weeks ago, we started seeing stories out of China. Sound familiar? Uh, much like the lead up to what happened in early 2020. Uh, right now, rumors of respiratory diseases that are affecting children particularly, which uh, we've covered. We heard that one uh, sort of uh, predictively programming uh, style eked out of Bill Gates's lips years ago even. Uh, and in the background, the WHO and the globalist-oriented bureaucrats and politicians are working on that global pandemic treaty. And as uh, Steve and I are media tea leaf readers, this is a good time to do some updates and reminders about the COVID fiasco. Joining us now to discuss is board-certified trauma and emergency specialist, Dr. Kelly Victory. Dr. Victory, it's great to see you. Welcome back to State of the Nation. Now, what do you think we're seeing this resurgence uh, in propaganda, but there's also, this is the positive that we noticed today, and we wanted to get your take on this. There's a resurgence of people reposting videos and sound bites from 2020 that the pandemic industrial complex would probably rather see memory hold. <laughs> well, great to be with you guys, as always. As you know, I've been predicting and we've been preparing for the next Fear Fest. We knew that they were going to come up with something right on the heels of this last one, because frankly, the last uh, debacle was quite successful from their perspective. They were very successful in getting people to accept a lot of things that we would never have conceived of in the past, including things like vaccine mandates or, you know, mass masking and school shutdowns and lockdowns and limitations on uh, capacity in bars and restaurants and all the rest of it. So it was very, very useful to them as a control mechanism and not, uh, not, you know, unpredictable that they would try this again. We can talk about the rumblings that we're hearing coming out of China. Uh, most pandemics in the past have come from China, incidentally. The last big one in 2003, uh, the last SARS-CoV-1 came from China as well. And although we have people like Bill Gates lauding the uh, the remarkable success of the Chinese and how they managed it, I think most people here in the United States would uh, say that it was, in fact, um, an absolute disaster, not only physically, because we didn't control the virus, but economically and spiritually, financially, politically, and in every other way, it ended up being a complete disaster. So I hope you are right that people are sort of doubling down and not allowing them to memory hole some of these things. I have suggested that if you want to know what to do in the next pandemic, whatever it is, or the next crisis, whatever it is, 
My suggestion is that we don't turn to those people who were abject failures the last time. The people who told you uh, to socially distance and wear a mask, the people who promoted school closures, the people who promoted these vaccines, which have proved to be absolutely tragically uh, harmful to, to millions and millions of people. I wouldn't turn to those people. You ought to turn to the people who are called conspiracy theorists. Uh, I, those people who are called tinfoil hat wearers, including myself, the people who actually got it right, the people who predicted in your minds or who sa said the things that we weren't supposed to say, who spoke out against the narrative. I didn't say the things that I said from the beginning because I'm a good guesser. I said, because we've known for decades, the real science has told us for decades that masks do virtually nothing to stop the spread of a respiratory virus, that lockdowns do far more harm than good, that natural immunity is always superior to vaccine-induced immunity, and on and on. So I would turn to the people who got it right the last time, not the people who bungled it. Uh, uh, hi, Dr. Victory. Uh, it's so nice to have you again on the program. Uh, well, uh, you just say that, and we know who you're talking about. Uh, this has kind of become a, a a living nightmare that we've all been yeah. uh, forced to live through. So we're going to ignore Dr. Fauci. We're going to ignore Dr. Burks. Uh, mm -hmm. What about Redfield? Because Redfield, of course, headed up the CDC at the beginning of all this. But he's since kind of, well, he's not since kind of. He has absolutely uh, done a 180 on it and said it was all crap. Uh I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but he's obviously, I don't know if it's a case of CYA or whatever. Fauci, on the other hand, has gone radio silent. He's kind of, I'm retired now. I, I can't be bothered. Uh, he's <laughs> counting his money. Um, but uh, what do you think? I mean, obviously, as we get closer to the election, the, <laughs> the fear is going to get ramped up even more, I suspect. Who can we turn to beyond uh burks and fauci and do you think redfield is is uh is legit source of information now well he clearly is scrambling to get on the right side of history but i would never put my trust in anyone who is willing to go along to you know get along to, to go along to get along and uh continue to parrot the narrative for the period of time that he did he was certainly complicit in it for a long time before he decided this ship is sinking and I best jump off. Um, so I think that people, there are lots of people who I think you can trust. They were the people who were pilloried uh, and derided during the first part of the, the pandemic and who stayed the course. People like you know, Jay Bhattacharya and Peter McCullough and Harvey Reich and Pierre Corey. I'd like to put myself in that boat. The people yeah. who had the guts to say from the beginning and to suffer the slings and arrows, it was not fun. Many of us, I you know, faced multiple uh, claims against my medical license. I had to defend myself over and over again. I was canceled from almost all social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I was kicked off for a long time and had people posting heinous, slanderous, uh, libelous things about me. Those are the people you should turn to, the people who got it right and who stayed the course. I think that we need to clean house entirely at the CDC. We need to disarticulate the cozy relationship between the CDC and the big pharma companies and do the likewise disarticulate that same relationship between big pharma and our universities. They are funding 
most of the labs at our big scientific or scientific labs at the large universities, Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Stanford, uh, Duke University, University of Texas at Galveston, they're all funded by big pharma. What, how do you think it is that all of those studies remarkably come to the conclusion that the pharmaceutical company that's paying them wanted them to come to? And likewise, that occurs in the medical journals. The storied medical journals, the Lancet, JAMA, the New England Journal of Medicine, they are all owned by big pharma. And unless yeah. we expose and change those relationships, we will not have veracity in medicine and in healthcare. We cannot trust what is coming out of the universities, out of their labs. And we certainly cannot trust what is being published in what should be the uh, completely independent scientific medical journals. Yeah, yeah well, um, go, go, go ahead, Hash. Oh, I was just going to well, say this, uh, Dr. Victory. Let me just ask you this real quick while, uh, and I want to hand it over to Hesh here. We just had uh, Janine Yunus um, from the new Civil Liberties Alliance, and she's filed mm -hmm. lawsuits against censorship. And we uh, earlier in the program, we talked to Dr. Naomi Wolf, who is pretty much on mm -hmm. the same 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 uh, team you are. Um, I had pointed out that earlier in this month, the CDC released a report that said parents around the country are now shockingly not shockingly at all uh denying their kids basic uh vaccines stuff that we'd all <laughs> used to get mumps rubella all of this stuff now they're saying you know what i don't trust a damn thing any of you were saying so no chicken pox vax for my kid no rubella no mumps screw it all now not everybody but a growing number this is the damage that they have done to the medical profession and as a doctor you must be just mortified at this uh at this kind of response. Absolutely. And the, the real irony here is that um, I, people were calling me an anti-vaxxer early on during the COVID debacle. And I said, an anti-vaxxer, that's funny because I've been called a vaccine zealot in the past. I have spoken and written prolifically on the importance of, of childhood vaccines. This um, mismanagement during COVID forced many of us, myself included, to really reassess my stance on vaccines in general. And there is no question now in my mind, I've done fundamentally a 180 because of what was exposed during COVID, the absolute corruption in the science, the lack of good science showing safety on these things and looking really at what we are seeing at an alarming incidence of all kinds of disabilities, illnesses, and conditions in children who are heavily vaccinated. So I think even now, your average parent, your average person who's not a scientist, who's not in healthcare, has come to the conclusion, wait a minute, maybe I've been misled. I certainly was lied to. These were not mistakes during that were made during COVID. These were not mistakes that were made by your government. These were lies your government told you. The CDC, the vaccine manufacturers, and everyone complicit in this knew that these vaccines, number one, did not stop the transmission of COVID. They never even tested for that. They knew that they were not nearly as effective in stopping you from getting COVID. And they knew that they had significant risks and they lied about it. People did not get informed consent. Once you make that 
available to people and people understand that to be the case and the vast majority of the population does now they have every right every logical every scientific basis to say wait a minute what else have you lied to me about and so now yeah. I do think that this is, they sowed this, they, they, you reap what you sow, and they did this to themselves. So now, unfortunately, it will take likely decades for people to really figure out, let's take these vaccines one at a time. And you look at some of the ways they've been used. Why in the world would you vaccinate a newborn baby for hepatitis B? Hepatitis B is a sexually transmitted IV drug transmitted disease. Why would a newborn baby need that? If you look at the vaccine schedule that when I was growing up contained six to nine, depending on where you live, six to nine vaccines, that number is now up to 72 vaccines that a child gets before the age of 18, from six vaccines for me to 72. Now, we are seeing at the same time exponential increases, as I said, in lots of conditions, not only autism, but allergies. You know, I grew up my entire childhood. I didn't know a kid with a peanut allergy. I didn't know a kid with asthma. Now, all of a sudden, every other child has got some profound allergy, has profound behavioral issues. They're saying that one out of three children being born today has a risk of autism. I mean, we're doing something wrong, and maybe it's not vaccines, but we are obligated, obligated to figure out what is it? What have we done environmentally that has caused these conditions to absolutely explode? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of new understandings because people were forced to stay home. People were forced to keep their mm -hmm. kids at home. People lost their jobs, their careers, their livelihoods. And all of a sudden people are looking at, well, what is a peer reviewed study? Right. How does mm -hmm. that work? Let me follow it from inception to final reporting. Wait a minute, who paid for it? Who's doing the research? What are these grants? Right. Um, the idea of informed consent. Most people didn't even think about informed consent before this. And now we've got uh, a lot of people in the country who, when they're considering taking on a pharmaceutical product or allowing their child to take on a pharmaceutical product, they say, let me see the insert. No, 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 not the trifold, right. the insert right. with the Bible paper and the small print. I want to read everything <laughs> in there. And they start looking at rubella and all these other things that they thought were normal. And they say, well, wait a minute. Why, why is uh, allergies and, and autoimmune disorders a potential side right. effect? Um, so people right. are a lot smarter about this, Dr. Victory. And, and there's also just like you said, the corruption in the science at this point, all the vested interests and the bottom line is they told us that this thing was safe, effective, right. and necessary. Was it any of those three? No, and that's my three-legged stool that I tell people is safety, efficacy, and necessity. Exactly. And that pertains not just to vaccines, but to any therapeutic or intervention. You need to have a stability in all three of those legs. And the idea that the powers that be at the time, you name some of, you know, Fauci, Walensky, Burks, that they would stand up and parrot over and over again that these shots were safe. How can you even utter those words when I'd say, great, show me the 12 month, the 24 month, the 36 month safety data. And yeah. they couldn't. They're, yeah, they show couldn't me your bank account. They, 
because that th those studies hadn't been done yet. There's a reason why the average vaccine takes six to eight years to come to market, if it ever makes it to market at all. Many, you know, do you think that we haven't tried in the past to come up with a vaccine for say herpes or norovirus, Coxsackie virus, a lot of viruses we've tried to come up with vaccines for and we've failed because the immune system doesn't always respond the way you think it will. And there's a yeah. reason why we spend years and years looking at that, because sometimes you don't know the untoward effects that you will have until many years down the road. And you certainly need to prove those three stool, you know, the Thank three you, legs Dr. of the stool. Victory. I hate to interrupt you, but we're out of time here. Thank you for everything you do and for joining us here on TNT Radio.